Hi, I'm Sue Bryce, and you are listening to She Shoots, She Draws podcast. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glenn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to He Shoots, He Draws. I'm Dave Clayton and the other person responsible for this these shenanigans is Glyn Dewis over there on the other side of my screen. But to you, he's, he sounds like he's already here in audio land. <laughs> hello, hello, mate. Hello, mate. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to ask how you are. I know how no, you I are because we were talking before we did this recording. Yeah. So that's it. Hiya. Break the fourth wall, Glyn. <laughs> just, just <laughs> we have to act like this is the first time we've spoken. But yeah, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Um, it's another episode. I know. If you knew, you know, where did you find us? And if you did, share it. But if you've been sticking with us, thank you because we do appreciate it. And um, once again, it's like another week. We come along. We've got a great guest now. Before we go into it. Yeah, yeah. I have to I have to do a word from our sponsors. Go for it. Um or our partners. So we are now uh, each week the episode comes out, we're getting closer to the photography show. We've partnered with them this year. We are gonna be doing a live interview with a previous guest, uh, which would be interesting for Glenn and I because we've interviewed this guest on the show. Glenn's never actually met him. Mm. So when we do our kind of second interview on the live stage, it's going to be with Dickie Pelham and we're going to be talking about his sports career and it will be uh, sponsored by He Shoots, He Draws. But yet we've got a code for 20% off your ticket, which is HSHDTPS19 and that will get you 20% off. Uh, we'd love you to come to the show and come and see us. It's going to be great. Loads of guests, loads of ex uh, previous guests of the show that are going to be there doing various talks and everything which i'm looking forward to meeting a few that uh like nigel danson never met but it'll be a great show come along see us um so that's that bit done because <laughs> yeah. i want to get you made I, it sound like a I, chore yeah no no but it, it's only because i'm so excited about this week's guest i know i but, mean we've literally uh, just finished it and i'm still yeah, I'm, I'm still buzzing i'm yeah, I, I want to get into the intro and get, get people listening to it rather than listen to our chit-chat. <laughs> okay, well, let's say who it is. It's, this is yeah. uh, this is who, who from this day forward, will be known as a focused powerhouse. This yes. is uh, none other than Sue Bryce. Um, we've actually, I mean, all of, we've never actually met. Me and you have never met Sue. So, you know, it's just one of those things which is crazy, really, because I know we talked about this when we were chatting with her. We did all that legalised stalking research all about Sue because she's one of those people yeah. that I kind of, and I'm guessing with you, mate, you kind of know her, but you don't know her. Yeah. So I don't even know why I know her name. It's just you think photography, and if someone says a female photographer or educator, Sue Bryce just comes into absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. It's a bit like Linda.com. I don't know who Linda is. <laughs> but I wasn't Linda. Whereas Sue Bryce, I know, is a person. I know Linda's a person, but... Even as a, as not as a photographer, I, I know the name. <laughs> I Sue think Bryce. I know what you mean. But yeah. uh, but wow, what what an incredible chat that's been. I mean, I didn't I didn't know what to expect, but you know, within five seconds, you're like, this is going to be good. I mean, really mm. incredibly focused. I just wish, I just really wish this was a video podcast as well, so that people could have seen what we saw when Sue was talking because yeah. she was so animated and genuinely so into doing what she does. Loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. 
uh, very honest answers as well. I mean, we, we had a bunch of questions, but really Sue kind of walked herself through the interview because she was talking about all the things we wanted to ask her mm. about and more. And it was just so cool to see her so animated. And so I know we say we don't always like the word passionate, but I think you ke- there's a there's a way of your passion coming out. She loves what she does. Totally, yeah. And, totally. And, and, you, and you totally got that. And, and the fact that she's not kind of resting on her laurels, she's always looking... To change, she was very honest and open about her age, how her years in the business. Um, she talks about her subscribers on the channel and her social media and the people that follow her. I mean, she's built a great business, um, but just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Yeah, she's 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 a real force we've reckoned with. But what's lovely is that she is. You can tell that her focus is on the people that she's for, for, uh, photographing. So and that really does come through. Yeah. But let's crack on because I, I actually want to hear this one again. So uh, we'll start in the usual way with Sue. Who are you? <laughs> I'm my name is Sue Bryce, and I'm a professional portrait photographer. I've been a photographer for thirty years on August the fifteenth, and it's been my whole life. Uh, I started out in eighties glamour, and then that died. And I really struggled photographing weddings and families and babies because I didn't want to. And I somehow keep this genre of having a professional makeup artist on staff. And I would still do the makeover portraiture, but I just keep modernizing it into more of a contemporary magazine style. By the time I hit 2000, I was 30 and it was ready to start my own business. I decided to launch a contemporary glamour brand, which everyone told me was a stupid idea. (laughs) And I launched that and my business went to a million dollars in turnover in three years. So then I moved to Australia and started my second studio. And then I moved to Los Angeles six years ago. Ten years ago, I started mentoring photographers on my style and business model, and now I have a studio in Los Angeles with a broadcasting company that also educates photographers online. Um, yeah, and that's wow. what I do and everything so, I do. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you definitely get the prize for the best intro. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> And it's good to know you kept it low-key. <laughs> well, You've not been busy at all. Oh, that, is, that was the low-key version. <laughs> yeah. So firstly, you got into photography when you were seven. Uh, yeah, thank you. 18. Yeah, Sorry. I was 18. I'm, um, I'm 48 this year and, you know... Um, Same here. Yeah, it's, I've just got to say, I, I read this quote when I turned 40 and it said, do not begrudge becoming old. It's a privilege denied to many. And I started to just own my age. Like, I want to go to 50 at full power. So I'm all cool with that. Yeah. I, I feel right. I was, I was talking to somebody yesterday. The age I am now, I actually feel like I should be this age. I feel Same. right mentally. I feel like, yeah, I'm all right. So my career started when I was 40. I'm the oldest one in the room. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I went past my 50s. I sailed through that. But no, my when I think back to when I started, really my career, as like the most satisfying part of it was when I turned 40. But I think I said to my mum when I was eight, she just told me this, that I looked at her one day and I said, my life's going to start when I'm 40. And she was like, what? And why would you say that? And I said, because I know it will. And for some reason, I was a working photographer for right up until 40. But when I hit 40, I just found my purpose and then I just found my drive and then I just was Mm. more settled and I believed in myself and I just locked down and I went for it right when all Mm. my friends were having babies and that was kind of a decision I did not make. And so I did sacrifice yeah. a lot, but, you know, it was what I was being called to, and that's important. Me and Dave were talking before, obviously, we went live with all this stuff here, and we sort of saying about the fact that as a photographer, I, I know of you. 
Sure. Do you know what I mean? I kind of like I would have I don't know what would have been going wrong if I'd never heard your name, but I do know you, but I don't Which know Which is weird, you. right? So it was interesting it it was kind of interesting there hearing how you kind of all got involved in it all, but is photography something that you did from the offset? Was that your first thing, first job, or was there another kind of avenue that went down first of all? Because I'm always intrigued what makes somebody become okay, a photographer. Okay, so I left school when I was 15, the day I turned 15. Um, I was not doing well at school. I wasn't just, you know, we had some problems and I just left and my mum and dad said, well, you have to go and do some form of um, education. So I went to a polytech. First, I did hair and makeup for the first two years from 15 to 17. 17 to 18, I studied graphic design. I really loved hair and makeup and I really loved graphic design, but I knew that they weren't my career field. They were something I would do, but not, you know, make a career out of it. And then the irony was I turned 18 and I got a job in a professional studio as a professional retoucher, as a professional photographer. And I was like, this is where I'm at. And then I felt like my genre was off. So I just had to tie in all the things that made me, me, which was hair, makeup, kind of a fashion edge, but for everyday women. I didn't want to do celebrities. I didn't want to do fashion. Mm. There was no money in it. I wanted to shoot portraits, but that were like a Vanity Fair magazine style experience for women. And they just loved it. So the more I, everyone told me I was crazy. I just launched it and it just took off and I just kept going because that's what I was most passionate about. Yeah, it's like it's so similar to because a lot of designers and, and creatives you meet either they're like ex skateboarders or they're ex musicians. And I was fine when you sure. when you speak to a photographer when they're talking about when they started, they might as well swap the camera for a guitar. It was you know I really sure. love music. It was my passion. I wanted to get up and play and I wanted to be in a band and I never made any money and I was working all hours and then I found my groove and so it's always quite good to see that comparison in that it's. The fact that you didn't make any money from it didn't stop you from pursuing it. Right. And I know what I was like at 16. I wish I'd left school and done gone straight into graphic design college, university. I left in 1982. I didn't do it. I just went, I wanted money and a car and, you know, to go out with my mates. But then you get stuck there. Yeah, I did. Because, you know, when I I built my studio, I was 30. I had nothing. So nothing. I was bottomed out. So I figured I couldn't go lower. I could only go up and I would be restrained by how much money I could make. So I could only grow as fast as the amount of income I was bringing in. And then I had to get out of my own way because I couldn't, it turns out I couldn't sell my own work. And then all of a sudden um, that started to build. And I realized that had I had a safety net, I wouldn't have done it because it was, it's just too hard in your thirties when all my friends are buying houses and new cars and skiing weekends away and I can't mm. go because I don't make enough money. So I mm. can't go out on my own because then I'd lose my lifestyle. When do you actually ever get brave enough to do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. You've got yeah. to grab it rock well, bottom. Oh, totally. I, I Like I said, I've got loads of stuff here that I want to ask sure. you and I'm trying to put this into some kind of, uh, some kind of order and so it makes <laughs> sense, but... What you're saying there about your, you know, you sort of start your business and you just go for it, hell for leather. You're just determined to make your business grow. And you said at the very start there, that intro, that you, uh, in three years, million pound uh, or million dollars. Yeah, New Zealand uh, dollars. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, New Zealand dollars turnover. Mm-hmm. I mean, that all sounds, wow, wonderful. And for people listening, they think, well, I could never do that. But, and I, don't, and I mean this in the... in you the in, uh, Yeah, you did. But I mean this in the best possible way, Sue, when I say this. As a as a woman, 
in the photography yes. industry, and I think I think it's fair to say it's still viewed as a male-dominated industry. It's still viewed as that, which is I don't know anymore. I feel like we get a lot. Of, specifically, I get a lot of criticism online that, like, I'm a cult and I only teach women. And I was like, you know, I am still ninety. My Facebook group is forty-three percent yeah. male, but my my in-person workshops are ninety-three percent female. And and because I promote a feminine brand. I don't promote a feminine yeah. photographer. I just promote because I was taught by a man, a man that loved women. So I know this is a man woman thing. My genre is definitely more feminine, yeah. but and so is boudoir and so is newborn. But all the other genres I feel like are very male dominated. And that's okay. I know women that dominate in all of those genres, and I know amazing men that dominate in all of those yeah, genres. Yeah. But yeah, glamour specifically or contemporary portrait. Uh, newborn and boudoir and maternity and still sit very much in um, mostly female. But, but I mean, the reason I'm the reason I mention it is not to say about the kind of work you're doing, but as a as a photographer who's like, right, I'm going to build my business. I know what I want to do my, with my life. Did you find because going back then it would have been viewed as being something that only men do? Did you find yourselves ever coming across situations where? It was uncomfortable because men weren't kind of either helping or whatever. Because we've had we've had women on the show before, Hannah Cousins, Stacey Pearsall, both you know incredible photographers who said that they did experience some kind of um, backlash or negativity, whatever you want to say. But Hannah, she's a very strong girl. She was she put them in her place. I just wondered, had you ever sure. experienced that? That was all. No. So I'll tell you why. Wow. Um, in New Zealand, in New Zealand, when I started to win awards, like in the early 2000s, there were only two women photographers dominating the awards in our country. And they were both really amazing. They were right up in the gold winning categories and winning photographer of the year. So I actually felt the opposite. And I'll tell you why. In New Zealand, we're brought up very differently. Um, you play bull rush with the boys. You play football with the boys. You play tag with the boys. You play softball with the boys growing up. You know, a boy, any of the boys I grew up with, my brothers would throw a ball at me as hard as any other girl would. And when I started, you know, creating photography and business, my boss didn't treat me any differently for being female. We utilized our strengths and weaknesses in our business, I thought was really amazing. But I got to say, um, my country, first for gay marriage, gave women the vote 28 years before the suffragette movement internationally. We're so progressive. We've been there for a long time. We've had three women prime ministers. Our current female prime minister just gave birth and she's not even married. So we're very a progressive, strong little country. And I think, you know, we we obviously come from the UK and we've, we've made our own way. And I think we're pretty awesome. And I love being a Kiwi. But no, I, <laughs> I don't believe that it's held me back. I believe what's held me back is... Brilliant the patriarchy that I believe is like my limit, like that, that I was mm -hmm. criticized for being a female educator and I was criticized for educating a feminine brand. And I was, I was criticized for a lot of that stuff, which is kind of irrelevant really, but you know, it, yeah, none of it's negative. Why is any sure. of that negative? That's the thing that's really like weird for me is in the graphic design industry, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of split where like I said to Glenn earlier, um, photographers have that, kind of additional passion because you have to get up off your backside and go and do it whereas me as a designer you could you could give me a project now and I can be sat here and I can do it all at my computer I don't need to go anywhere to do it so the fact that you have to like get off your backside you have to go and get that equipment go out and hustle and find people is 
in the beginning it's great that you've you've gone into it with that strong attitude that you you're not even you're not even thinking about it as you go into it you're just experiencing it as it happens i think too i'm probably a little bit of a yang female like yin yang you know that yeah I, i'm a strong feminine energy i have good balance of masculine and feminine i feel very I, I feel like i'm a strong person i'm a black belt in martial arts i've grown up in a place where I was allowed to be strong, but I also like being feminine and I like being a woman. So I also love teaching men. I love photographing men. I just mostly teach women and photograph women, um, sadly, but you know, it's, it's all yeah. there. It's all open. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting you say that, that you mainly photograph women because I've, I've been asked about my portfolio, that my portfolio is heavily male dominated. And I was kind of thinking, I was, when I was asked that recently, I was thinking, why what is genre? that? Uh, well, I, I, if you saw my work, a lot of my work is all very. I do a lot of World War Two themed kind of portraits now because uh, I'm working Fantastic. on a project. But they they are mainly men. I actually put a request out yesterday for some female veterans yes. from World War Two, which I'm going to go and photograph because I wanted to. You know, everybody played their part. But originally, I think when it first started, I, when I was asked why why is there mainly men in your portfolio. And I, I, it wasn't really a conscious effort. It was just something that I felt more natural doing for me. I felt more comfortable doing it. So when you go back, Sue, to the beginning, when you when you kind of knew that this was your calling, what you wanted to do, and I said to Glenn earlier, it's a very being good at one thing, being able to teach it, and being able to write about it are three big disciplines. So did you feel quite early on that when you decided, like, I'm going to get into this photography business? How soon did you actually get that kind of feeling that I don't want to just be a photographer, I want to teach others? Um, I didn't at all. I was 10 years building my studio. I was 2009, sorry, uh, nine years building my studio and six of that were actually building it. The first two, I just was too scared to actually pull the trigger. I was just kind of freelancing and teaching, retouching on the side. Um, but then all of a sudden 2003 hit and I just really, I was like, now it's time to wake up and do this. I literally built the studio in my garage um, in my country town in Pukekohe and then I just started to charge towards it and it started to take off and then I was like, right, I have a winning formula, I have a great package to sell, I just got to put it in front of as many women as I can and I just sort of didn't hold back from then on but everything up until that moment was just living in complete terror that I was going to fail even though I had no money and, you know, I it was my last shot anyway. So I really had nothing to lose. So was that, what? which part of your business was that? Because obviously your Sue Bryce education. Yeah, sorry, that was 2003. And then 2009, I moved to Australia. And it was yeah. Australia that asked me to present after I won Australian Portrait Photographer of the Year. Um, and they were like, we just don't have women educators and we love your brand and we love you. So would you come and do... A presentation. I got up on stage, I did this presentation, and then I had 17 presentations booked from that presentation. Like people all around the world were calling me going, come to the UK, come to um, LA, come to Vegas. And uh, I just sort of shot every week and then followed talks. And I um, just started working out that a lot of educators in our industry just love talking about themselves and they don't really teach anything. So I started to get up on these platforms and just teach full on meat and vegetables and people would just couldn't get enough. They were just like more, more. And that took off. And then I did my first creative live in 2012. And I didn't have a business page when I did that workshop. And I had 11,000 on my business page 
within two days after that workshop. And then my US audience just really kind of took off. And then everyone wanted to do workshops and things, and I have to shoot. I have to keep shooting, otherwise I'm not relevant as a photographer. So wherever I shoot, I have to be able to balance education and shooting equally. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do now. Yeah, I do both. Cool. I, uh, th- there's something I read about you which really struck a chord with me, and it was um, how you're talking about this legacy of photographs when you're photographing people and how important pictures are in people's lives. Because I, I kind of, I, I guess over the last year or so, I kind of went through this kind of change, whereas before it was all about the technical, it was all about taking the pictures and what I love to create. And then all of a sudden this thing came in when I suddenly realised how important pictures are to people. Mm-hmm. And I was reading stuff that you'd done, and I know there's a, there's a, there's a phrase, I think this would have been back on your, when you're on Creative Live, that you said, one day your children will look for photographs mm-hmm. of you, what will they have? Mm-hmm. And I read this stuff through and I thought, my God, you are, you are saying the words exactly mm-hmm. as I see them as well. Yeah about how important pictures are. But can you can you just explain to us what do you mean by that particular phrase? One day your children will look for photographs of you, what will they have? Yeah, so I feel like, especially women, they if they put on baby weight and they're, oh, no, not me, just the kids, I just had a baby, they're always like, no, just photograph my children, just photograph my children. And I was like, but these kids will be adults and then they'll look back and you won't want to do it in 30 years and you won't want to do it in Mm. 50. And let's face it, we're not getting younger and slimmer. You know, it doesn't get better. You don't, I mean, you you can, but you know, it's like, it's just always something that you're pushing against. And my father and my mom, I was in holiday in New Zealand in July and I spent two and a half weeks with my parents and my entire team. And I photographed my mom and dad. Um, They've been married 55 years And I thought it would be an amazing portrait. My father passed away seven days later. And I had come home, big flight, 13 hours, two days home, and my dad died. So I turned around and flew back to New Zealand. And I tell you something, where do you think I went? I went to that shoot, and I went through that shoot. That video and that shoot is worth more money than anything I own on earth. And I was like... And, you know, I, if you've ever had an experience like it or you understand how important it is just to see yourself as other people see you, accept yourself as other yeah. people love and accept you and celebrate yourself, celebrate your relationships and love because nobody has promised tomorrow. My friend, nobody has promised tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And I just, uh, but even before dad, uh, just the power of legacy uh, interestingly, you know, you just look through these old photos, my grandmother and my grandparents. I mean, that's my, that's my, they're my f- legacy. They're my family and they're gone. Yeah. yeah. My, um, my family, uh, like my, my, my dad's side is huge. Um, and I, if both Glenn and I lost our dads last year as oh, well. Oh my goodness. And, um, but my, my dad's side is huge and my mum's side's relatively small. And yet, bizarrely, given our ages, like my, my mum's 80 this year, my dad was 85, they t- I've got pictures, I've got photographs of my great-great-grandparents. Wow. And, uh, and they just seem to take so many photographs. And when you think back then how like rare a camera would have been and, you know, processing photographs, I'm so... Like so grateful that my parent, like my parents and my grandparents, took all these photographs. Yeah. And uh, uh, on Sunday, uh, just gone the seventeenth, was the anniversary of my dad passing. And me and my brothers went around to see my mum. And uh, dad used to have an old cine camera, and he recorded. It was only like wind up, wow. but every holiday, every wedding, 
dad always filmed everything and we sat and watched this video footage of me as a baby 1965 me like being wa- bathed in the kitchen sink and it was so cool that you know we've got that and i've tried to do that with my kids because yes. my my girls they're nine and ten now God. incredible um, see it goes flies, so far <laughs> yeah and it's just i make sure that you're right I, i'm not in a lot of the photographs no. yeah because i'm taking them mm-hmm. but my god you know i'm gonna having seen what glenn's been doing the past year and what you've just said yeah. it's so important to give my children the memories of me and their grandchildren, the memories of us. And yeah, so my sister just came to LA and bought me like 20 photographs from our childhood. And we were looking through them and we were discussing the outfits we were wearing. We remember that dress and that skirt and that, and then we we're remembering that Christmas and then that we got visitors that day. And we're, we're talking 25, 30 years ago. Mm. And No, sorry, we're talking 35 years ago. And we're... We're recalling this day, and she said, do you remember this day because of this photo or the other way around? Do you remember this? Yeah. Like, what, how is our brain taking us back to this time because we're visually seeing that memory, and you yeah. just, they're so powerful and so incredible. Yeah. That's what yeah. I love about photos. It's probably the same with you, Sue, but every time I look at one of my photos, I can remember yeah. who, what, where, when, and why. I can felt. remember everything about it. Yeah, I can remember everything about that photo shoot. So can you imagine being a woman, feeling really vulnerable in front of the camera, having somebody photographing you that is completely guiding you in a way that you're starting to feel confident and quite beautiful, and then you see images that you have never seen of yourself, and you're mm-hmm. just glowing, and most of them are completely shocked that I could see it. And yeah. and I'm watching this guard come down and this sort of vulnerability. Like that is an experience. And it's an experience for me as a photographer, taking them through that. It's an experience for them. Then they cry. And then they buy their photographs. And I, I laugh because I think, I took a photograph of you and then I sold it back to you. But it's you. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. all you. Yeah. And then they go, but how, how did you make that, me look like that? And I'm like, Really? <laughs> but what what you're what I can totally see what you're saying there is because you're you're you've got this woman there maybe who doesn't feel so confident about how she looks, but the way you work with her and the way you the way you make her feel makes her feel good about herself. Sure. Then she sees a picture and then she's like, "Wow, this is how you see me." But exactly what you've been saying here with all this stuff about the legacy, in ten, twenty, thirty years time or whenever, yeah. if she looks back at that picture, yeah. She's going to remember that time, and she's going to then get that that confidence is going to be there again, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not just a one; it's not just like a, a snap of a shutter. One done, yeah. It's a it's a lifetime experience, isn't it? Think about the journey. So you're a young woman, and you know you you're pretty, and you you partying, and you're with friends and stuff, and that's great. But you you always look back at photographs of yourself and go, oh, I wasn't nearly as chubby as I thought I was, or you know, I was gorgeous, <laughs> like I was really gorgeous, but I was self conscious. Yeah. And then you maybe get married, and you maybe have a couple of babies or whatever your body changes your age changes you're in your 30s you know you get to your later 30s you're you're maybe really finding yourself you're going back to a career I mean if I could photograph every life stage of every woman that I'd met I could honestly help them to really see themselves throughout their entire process of their sort of teens 20s 30s 40s 50s and 60s and I think it would be an epic life journey to, you know, see, look yeah. back on 30 years of incredible this is, portraits. This is way more than photography, isn't it? I think it's it is. It's way more than photography. But that's how I feel about it. I feel like it's, um, 
it's for 30 years I've been having these conversations about transformation, whether it's your love or career or your physical body or, you know, whatever it is. I just, or just loving yourself, learning to, you know, just be more. I've just, I have that one on one conversation on a daily basis for about 30 years. And I just, yeah. that's why I do it. You could be a complete individual, like not even without a business. And you can see, look, obviously, everyone who's listening can't see what we're seeing but we mentioned this last week in the interview as soon as you see a photographer talking about something they love your stature changes sure Mm. and it's kind of it 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 comes out and you can see that and it's great that after 30 years of running a business you still that is your basic principle that's the thing that drives you um because obviously from the education point of view teaching someone to take a photograph is one thing but teaching them to master that craft with that kind of passion it is something completely different. Sure, it is, and it definitely helps me along the way. I'm hoping after this that you will get to see some of my World War Two pictures. Oh yes, I might get please send Jen. them to me. I might, I might send a link through to Jen yeah. so she can slip. No, it email it directly to me. <laughs> do it now so I can comment <laughs> before we go off the call. I will call. do. It. Well, I mean, what the reason I'm doing that is I. It's you know that the old saying, "There's no such thing as a free lunch." But I actually think there is with with what I'm doing with this World War Two stuff. Aside from my work, this is a personal project that I'm working on because I've got a real history. I've got a, um, a real love for history and especially World War Two. So I'm traveling around the country at the minute, photographing veterans wow. of World War Two, in particular D-Day veterans. Right. So I'm photographing guys and and women who are like in their mid nineties wow. into. I've some one guy I photographed two weeks. I was 101. And it is the most amazing experience photographing these people. But what I'm doing is these people are more than willing to have their photographs taken. And then I'm getting them all printed. I'm getting them framed. And they're going to the families. And this is purely something that I'm funding, purely because I want to leave that family with something that they're going to look back on in years to come. Hang on. It's just the most amazing experience. You say there's no such thing as a free lunch. And I say that all the time in business. But I've got to tell you, when it comes to a personal project, nothing will move your soul like working totally, in a yeah. pro- in a process of purpose like that. Um, I remembered being a child at the Anzac Parade, um, watching the Anzacs march on Anzac Day, which is returned servicemen. And I remember being a kid, and they were very old men walking. And I said mm. to Dad, what happens when there's none left? Mm. And my dad looked yeah. at me, and he goes, well, their children will walk for them. And now my sister-in-law, she wears all of her dad was an officer, and he... Um, in career, and he she wears his medals and marches for him, like that legacy of what yeah. what he sacrificed. But what I feel like what it's going to do is open something for you that you never even saw coming, just because you're working with so much passion and joy. You know, you just cannot. One of the hardest things about being in business is you just get so jaded, and the jadedness is then what you start attracting: the jaded client, the mm. cookie cutting. And you just start feeling soulless and not creative and a personal project at that level. I mean, it could be a book. It could be a documentary. It could be, it could open you up to being seen by a publication that will change the course of your life just because you chose that. Yeah, well, yeah. this one, it's, um, it, it has grown. It really has. We had the, we did something, some fundraising for a veteran as well. We had the BBC over here show interest in it. But this is all to do with a, we're going to have an exhibition. There's going to be a coffee table book coming from it. But we're actually going over to Normandy. This is, wow. and this is how much it has grown without us realising it. On the, uh, the 6th of June, we'll be over in Normandy for a week and we're starting to film a short 20-minute documentary <gasps> that's going to be pitched. How so exciting. it's all. But it, so I'm giving something to the family. I'm getting so much from this. Yes. 
And I actually, when I first started out as a photographer 10, 11 years ago, I never dreamed I would have that kind of feeling about my pictures. Oh, yeah. I always thought that was reserved for those. I always explain this when I'm doing talks. The, the people who kind of walk around, they don't walk around the exhibitions, they glide because they think they're some sort of special Jedi. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's, that's definitely not, I'm never going to get to that. Wow. But I have actually got a really emotional kind of attachment to what I'm doing now. I absolutely live for it. I really do. Okay. I always say, fall in love with your folio, fall in love with it. Like, don't just create a folio obsessed about it stay up late over it chew your fingernails off over it like love it <laughs> intensely feel hurt when somebody doesn't love something because you loved it so much and leave it in there anyway because you love it and that's what's important but if you are not getting that excited like what are you doing it's just it's right there for you you just got to follow what you want to do yeah totally i've just sent you a link i don't expect you to multitask and look at it at the same time but i've sent a link to you that's a guy who's not. Excuse us, Dave. While we just talk about Paul yeah, yeah, you, you carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to graphic designer interlude. Graphic <laughs> designer. <laughs> you could create create me a logo. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, he's pretty quick at doing the logo. So, yeah. but that's just the guy I've sent you there is a guy called Reg Charles, and he's absolute. I mean, so many medals, but he's just so humble with what he. Uh, what he's been through. And that's what I love about it. Somebody asked me, what's the difference between photographing these folks and regular folks, for want of a better word. And the regular folks always want to know what they look like. What do I look like? What do I look like on the picture? Whereas these these folks here, they're so humble. All they ever say after every photo shoot that I go and do in their own home is, are you happy with what you got? Oh, it's so beautiful. A completely Glenn. different mindset. Really, really beautiful. Wow. Thank you. Timeless. Oh, I can't wait to see these in a book. And, you know, what they saw, what they saw in that lifetime, they were children. I know that yeah. that yeah. scene, is it, um, is it Saving Private Ryan when they land on the beach on D-Day? Yeah, the first 10 minutes, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the, that scene is just a rolling scene. I remember watching it and then, like, gripping the side of my chair in the cinema. And I remember being so profoundly moved, like they were young boys and they were just running into death and... Some of them were just cowering and crying because they didn't know what to do. And they're just watching yeah. people just get picked off to their left and right. And when you watch that scene and you understand what they experienced, and some of them were 17, 18, 19, like children. And, you know, they never came home. Uh, it's it's crazy. And now you're telling their stories all these years later and they've lived full lives. Some of them rich, full lives. Yeah. And, and to 17, 18, 19-year-olds today, it's like it's like an alien life isn't it for them to they can't comprehend it it's and you think it's it's still within our lifetime yes. that these people are still alive and yet that it just you i can't imagine the seven i know a lot of a lot of kids now want to kind of join the forces and that but yeah when you look back and see him what the, some of the stories that glenn's told when he's been in chat to him and we often talk when he's driving home and it's just quite humbling. And, and then yeah. you see the photographs and you know what it means to the family. Right. But the, but this this kind of follows on from what we're saying, though, about the importance of how important pictures are. Um, but, Sue, I'm, I'm, I'm like I say, big list of stuff I want to get through with you here. <laughs> one, of the, one, of the, <laughs> one of the things was um, sharing. Yes. Okay, so you're obviously very open that you are, like you said at the start, you're an open book. Yes. This is what I do. This is how I do it. Yeah. And it's I always find that... Uh, pretty much I've always kind of been like that. And I know that Dave is as well with the stuff that he does with his graphic design. We've both never felt that we should hold on to what we know and not share it. We've felt, felt like mm. we've, we've benefited from sharing. Yeah. 
So I just wanted you to explain that in your own words because I know that, again, there's, there's tons I've found about how you talk about sharing and the importance of it and how that's helped you. It's not mine. It's not whatever it, yeah, however yeah. it came to me, it's not mine. I've had the same creative idea as someone on the other side of the world on the same day, posted it on the same day. If you honestly can't look at these two designs and say one of them ripped the other one off, not possible. I designed it and posted it. He designed it and posted it. It was exactly the same thing. And I feel like we were both downloading that information and thousands of other people probably got the same and didn't take it or didn't do anything with it. It's mm. not mine. Everything I've learned has come through me, and the more I give away, the more seems to come. So when I empty yes. that tank, it fills up again. I don't know whether that's the law of attraction or just the – but it seems like basic uh, just good living to me. I don't – why would I hide anything? What's the point? This is how I do it. This is how I sell it. I've made a business out of doing that. So it's important that I'm sincere and authentic. Otherwise, people will see through it really quickly. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I love sharing. I mean, back in the day when, you know, pre-computers, I was talking about it to someone yesterday, is the only way I grew was because someone at some point took to technology and decided I can share what I've learned. Yeah. And like you say, you learn it, uh, you, you absorb it, you're influenced by life around you. And I do a talk about graphic design saying, you know, we're all graphic designers. We all make hundreds of decisions every day based on graphic design without knowing it from the, the the food we buy the magazines we get the clothes we pick right we are influenced by signage but it, it like you say it comes in and, and if you can push it back out you can you can bring more because you've got the the willingness to learn and and i know both glenn and i have benefited from online teaching as soon as the internet came about and then obviously social media on the back of it we said the other day uh, back in the day when we first started, everyone was like, when you're doing an exam at school and like you've got your arm over the paper and you, <laughs> you won't share anything. Hiding it. Now, yeah. New Zealand now, was like that. It was very, and it still is. New Zealand doesn't have workshops or education. It's a small country, four million people. They don't share a lot. They're getting better, but yeah. yeah, it was hard. Whereas now, it's like a competition for people who can share the most. Like YouTube is a like like a wrestling <laughs> ring of subscribers <laughs> and views and... Crazy. Uh, and and that can dilute the content as well. That's not always a good thing because it is hard to find that kind of qualified um, background, which brings us on to we, we've you've been talking about your business, mm -hmm. but obviously Sue Bryce Education is also the Portrait Masters. So can you just explain a little bit how where that's grown from and what and how it exists today? Yeah. So we wanted to do two things. We wanted to create an awards and accreditation, more of an accreditation than an awards. The awards in our industry, I have won 28 like international awards in New Zealand, Australia, uh, WPPI and Europe. But at the end of the day, uh, they're very illustrative and I mean, they're for the sort of big photoshoppers and the composite editors and they're definitely that sort of higher level of um, creative artistic awards. But there's no good accreditation just for portrait photographers, just to become an accredited portrait master. So we mm. set up a system for that. Um, originally, we also wanted to have a conference, a boutique conference, where I could have 500 photographers in a private place. Um, this is our third year. We just launched. So November, uh, September is our third annual Portrait Masters Conference. Our keynote speaker is Peter Lindbergh. I saw, uh, I saw. It's just, in Phoenix, Arizona. Yes. It's September, yeah. Uh, Daron Vera. Oh, my gosh. We have Matthew Jordan-Smith. We have these amazing photographers from all over the world. And... Um, 
So basically, I realized that this is what we were talking about before. My name is actually going to be a problem on the portrait masters and portrait accreditation because people only see my name as my brand, which is contemporary glamour. And they obviously don't think I can teach outside of that because I do get a lot of sort of pigeonhole, like, oh, she's just a women's photographer. And I'm like, oh, no, mm. I photograph dudes too. I just market to women because <laughs> they bring dudes, right? So I've always had that fight. So I just really wanted to call it the Portrait Masters and make an entity that didn't have my name on it, even though, yes, I'm one of the owners, um, because it's still something you can get a portrait accreditation through. Also, when you... Um, earn your masters of photography with the portrait masters you're certainly not going to earn it with Sue Bryce like the audience out there don't care about Sue Bryce they care about that you are a portrait photographer and that you are owning your business and brand so I wanted an accreditation I wanted a conference so we just moved it into its own name and then we started to take educators that were outside of my wheelhouse Lara Jade she's a UK fashion photographer living in New York known Lara for seven years she just did the fashion series Felix Coons is a um Born in Germany, grew up in London. He recorded the lighting series for the Portrait Masters. Pratik Naik is our specialist retoucher. Michelle Salantano is our family photographer. Like every genre outside of mine, we started to build um, extra courses in case you wanted to learn outside of me or you didn't want to learn from me. You mm. just want to go straight to Felix and Lara because that's more your. Yeah. And so the Portrait Masters is building this dynamic library of education that is sold directly and downloaded, whereas Subrice Education is a subscription site. Got you. Yeah. So I maintain that because I have 30 years of content and it's really easy to maintain a big subscription when you have a lifetime of lessons and that you've learned, but also... I do try to learn more as a photographer. Like I want to be a better photographer. Every single year I try to be better than I was last year because I'm not a great photographer. I'm a good photographer with a great business model. So, and, and I know that and I have limits and I know I'm not going to be celebrated as Peter Lindbergh or anything. And, and that's completely okay. I have a solid place in this industry that is not being a superstar or a unicorn, but empowering people to make money in portrait businesses. You, you don't win awards by being just good. Well, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's also a genre that, that I mastered and that I, I yeah. went towards because I was so obsessed with it. And, and absolutely, I did that and I won those awards. I don't compete anymore because I just don't. I work 15 hours a day and it just doesn't spark joy for me like it did. Now building businesses yeah, yeah. sparks joy, so I'm there. We did do an episode about award winning. We said like the amount of photographers that call themselves award winning and never say the award. And yes. then we went on your site and it was just like you listed all the awards and it was, see, <laughs> now there's, award, there's an award winning photographer. <laughs> yeah. And like you say, it's not the be all and end all. It doesn't define you. It just shows that you wanted to push yourself nah, in different never made me areas. money. Never made me money. Yeah. Being an award-winning photographer, I have crystal trophies coming out the door. They don't make me money. <laughs> what it did do was it got me recognized in the industry internationally. Number two, yeah. it got me instantly um, onto vendors and people that supported my business when I first started speaking, people that wanted to be affiliates or sponsor me. As I started to build my audience, I had relationships with those people because of those awards. It really, as an educator, put me on the board around the world and it gave me so much confidence in my craft because I was winning and I was competing. I was losing also. There were times images that fail, but I was really involved in bettering myself. And, that's, and within three years, I won 
New Zealand Portrait Photographer of the Year. I won Australia twice. I won New Zealand again. And then I won Vegas. By the time I won them four years consecutively, everybody in those three countries knew who I was. My website got 33,000 hits the night I won four awards at the Australian um, Awards. And it's like, that's how much the industry is, who's this, who's this? And then, so I think that's why you know me, but you don't know me. Yeah, yeah that's kind of- I, I know what I do know <laughs> after this conversation ends when I think of Sue Price there's two words or two phrases that come to mind one of them is focused and the other one is powerhouse oh thank you that's uh, that's what I'm going to think like of when I think of, of Sue Price yeah those, those, are, <laughs> yeah. those are words that are very much me I'm also I'm very visceral I'm a really emotional human being uh, when I love doing something I can fixate and be really obsessed about it when I hate doing something I'm one of the worst people on the planet <laughs> um, I try to work with a lot of feeling because I feel like you should live like that and I'm just like that quite naturally. But I, what's important to me is that I fall in love with the photographic industry every year and if I don't, I look for ways to change it because I, I have to replenish this relationship. This is my life. This industry has been my life. I love the people in it. I love the genres. I love how it's changed and moved. 12 years I shot medium format Hasselblad and then all of a sudden I get a digital camera and it's horrible and I'm like starting again so you just fall in love again and now I have a Mark IV Canon Mark IV and I fast forward 20 years and I'm like well 20 years ago (laughs) when I had my first (laughs) digital camera um, it was terrible but I somehow managed to build a thriving business through even with a really budget camera and yeah. and now I have the camera that I dreamed I wish I'd had 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really cool. cool. It's really, really cool. Well, I, I'm going to try and lead. the perfect lead-in. <laughs> I was going to say, this, this is the perfect lead-in because you've mentioned the word love, right? And we didn't give you the, we didn't give you the heads up on this, actually, oh. but there is one segment we do every single week. Yes. And it's really simple. It's just called Loves and Loathes. And we might put a bit of a jingle to it. I don't know. But basically, the way this works is this. We want to find out, the first thing that comes to your mind, what do you love about the industry or what you do? You may have even answered that, actually. But I just, think, yeah. What, yeah, what do you what do you really love? And then we want to find out what you, and we say loathe, but what, what don't you, you like you, and what you would you change? So let's start with, they're both positives. Yeah. But let's go with a positive, definite. What do you love about what you do. I love walking into a party and people are like, what do you do? And I say, I'm a photographer. And they're like, tell me more about that. And two of my girlfriends are like CPAs and a lawyer. And they're like, yeah, we're like, I'm a CPA. And, you know, and a tax accountant. And everyone's like, cool. And then they want to, and then they want to know all about you. I love that for 30 years, I've been able to say that. I love that for 30 years, I can wear whatever I want. If I want to pierce my nose, I can. If I want a tattoo on my foot, I can. I love that yeah. nobody will ever tell me when to take my 10 minute break. I love that I can set my own hours. I love that I can work till 3am if I want to and sleep until 11am if I can't cope in the morning. I love that I have this community on Facebook that would literally give me a kidney. Uh, I love that whenever anybody trolls me for any reason, which is quite unusual, my audience just surround me like in battle it's and they're like, <laughs> leave her the hell alone. I love, <laughs> I love it's going, yeah, I love big events. I love meeting other speakers, other photographers. I love finding a new photographer like Darren Vera, 
go to Instagram and hit Daybearer, D-A-Y-V-E-R-A. You're going to cry. I did. How is this man hidden from me? I found him. I reached out to him. He's now a Portrait Masters presenter. He's coming over next week to spend a week with me in LA. He is just this untapped source of genius and beauty like I've never experienced. I love finding new blood. I love finding old blood that's not jaded and that still believes in the craft and the passion and the legacy. But mostly what I love is just being in a community of creatives. I think we're exceptional people. What I loathe, stop being such a-holes to each other. Stop judging each other's work. Stop getting in and trolling people. Stop giving your... um, unwanted critique on client images you just you're just oh yes it just means you're blocked it means that you're seeing other people that are successful and you're thinking i should be successful so go and make yourself successful stop spewing hate on facebook what's the point your business is not going to get more clients you're not going to make more money um, I loathe fakers. I loathe fakers that want to stand up and educate this industry, but they've been a photographer for three years. They don't know what an f-stop is. They don't know how to sustain a living by actually selling their work. But they are brilliant at maybe curating content. So be, be a curating content guru, but don't tell the photographic industry that you're going to be the next big thing and then come crashing down in two years. And then you really didn't yeah. know anything. You were just looked good online, Um, stop trying to buy followers. It doesn't matter if three people like your post. If it's a good post, eventually 30,000 people are going to like it. But just focus on what you're giving, always with a pure heart, always reconnected, always creative, always filled with love. And just if you see envy, if you envy someone else, sit down quietly, close your eyes, take a deep breath and say, what is it about that person that they have something I want? What is it about them that they have that I want? And then start doing that. Because if you're going to sit around throwing stones at people, you're never going to get anywhere. And stop with the whole, our industry is saturated. Our industry is saturated with cowboys that are not paying tax. So if you want to learn how to make real money and beat Johnny down the road that's selling 100 images for $75, know this. Johnny won't be in business in a year unless he finds me. Johnny doesn't pay tax and Johnny is not sustainable. So forget Johnny and just face your own fear and put yourself out there. And as soon as you can, Find what you're most deeply passionate about and purposeful about and run towards it. And that is what I love and loathe about this industry. I I wow. think we retire we retire <laughs> loves and loathes on that because I don't think we will ever get a better answer to that question. And the thing is we're both sitting there like nodding dogs because <laughs> if we were to put everything together that we've heard from other photographers, you've just had an out a natural outpouring of that answer well i feel like with um, you guys say... we should be drinking wine and it should be like drunk <laughs> yeah. podcast like, and then you could ask me that now give the love and loathe question after three glasses of wine and you'll get a very different answer we have we have so got to do that but can yeah. i can i just say for the benefits of the listeners sue did not know we were going to ask her that that was straight <laughs> from the heart. That was oh my god, oh, fantastic! It was like watching someone sing. It was like watching you perform. It was brilliant. I was mesmerized. I was going to try and rap because... it, but I really am not that good a rapper. And I was, yeah, I was, I was going to put a beat to it. My audio guy's going to like start beatboxing. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. So, that was funny, and it was funny because one of the interviews I'd read for you today when when I did a bit of research was 
interestingly that you'd said how you'd love the uh, social media side of the business and the way the, the way that you could share but we've every single photographer we've spoken to still has that like like exactly what you just said that love and loathe of of that medium is that it's great when it works but isn't it awful when you know why does anybody think that that criticizing someone else puts them in a spotlight that anyone will look at them in a, in a good light oh yeah and so recently i'm very lucky like i get i'm lucky to if i get one off comment a month and this month a girl wrote on a client image on instagram what she critiqued the image and I just deleted it. I was like, my client didn't need to see it. No problem. And if I respond to her, then my client will still see the post. So I just got rid of it, yeah. cleaned it up, you know. And she came back to that image. So she she went came back to my thread, my account, my thread, to look for her comment to see if she'd <laughs> upset anyone. Now, that is someone that is that you are coming after me at that point. Like you were coming back yeah. to see if I responded and then wrote, you deleted my comment and you should be able to take criticism. And I wrote, thank you. Yeah. I absolutely send me a private message, but I don't think you needed to criticize my client. So I deleted your comment and um, I never fight back. What's the point? I just try and understand. No, kill them with kindness. Yeah, you got to. We've, we've had them. Yeah. I've I've had battles with people where they've just been downright nasty and all I've just gone back is nice, nice, nice. Till in the end, they actually make themselves look silly. And like yeah. you said, and then your tribe kick in. Yes, they do. And then you just sit back with a glass of wine and you watch them take them down an alley oh. and give, give them, <laughs> give them, give them a, a virtual kick in it's both... and, and leave them lying behind a dustbin. Yeah, and it's both hilarious and kind of cringy at the same time because they they probably think that you're instigating this and you're not like I'm just getting popcorn at that point and just burying my face going (laughs) but you know I mean just move on if I'm not your cup of tea you know go and drink coffee but you don't need to hate tea so much like it's it's all good like we're all we all there's room for all of us yeah we all stand collectively shoulder to shoulder I'm not your enemy um so many future speakers I really want to promote the up-and-coming speakers that are really showing me that they have the goods. And I go to follow them, and they don't follow me on Instagram. Uh, It's okay. I'm like, well, they obviously, I'm one of the educators, but I'm not their style, or they don't want to be seen to follow me. I would love to build more of an alliance with um, the best speakers in the world to know that I'm not trying to get you under my umbrella. I'm trying to stand on stage with you. And so many speakers didn't want to share the stage with me when I was up and coming. And I had an open policy. I was like, if you're strong enough to stand on stage and deliver on a microphone as I am, then you'll be able to hold your own beside me. But if you're coming up here with ego and fear, you're not going to last long. So Mm. I want people to stand up and just own their space, not somehow see my success as an educator is against them but see it as I need to meet her because I would love to be standing beside her. I would love to yeah, make the education absolutely. in this world better. Wow. So so 2019 then, Sue, what's, apart from the conference, which is later on this year, what have you got kind of planned for the business for the next kind of 12 months? Have you got anything that you're introducing that's new? Are you challenging yourself in a different area yes, that you haven't done before? I certainly am. Um, I did a lot of recordings uh, an entire library on Subrace Education. We have over 725 videos now um, over three years in live broadcasts. And I did a lot of um, recording about self-value and just shifting your money relationship, your self-value and the request 
just keep coming back to move that off SBE and create a generic one for all women. Um, so I've yeah. recorded, I started live broadcasting series on top of what I'm already doing on the 21st of March called Transformation. And it's basically a workshop about transforming your life, whether it's about self-love or physical transformation or changing careers or just making those big steps in your life and changing and basically learning to love yourself more and treat yourself better and put yourself first. And it's a, a, it's a workshop going out to the general audience for the first time, not the photographic audience. And um, I'm super passionate about that. And it's just going to open a new portal to SBE. So I have 10,000 subscribers on Super Ice Education. And now I can put those subscribers on my private website as find a photographer around the world. So they look, literally will be looking for photographers in my network um, coming to my website and then they can find a photographer any country. I've got photographers in the UK. I've got photographers all through Europe, New Zealand, Australia, Hong Kong, China, um, South Africa. And you'll be able to um, find a photographer that shoots my genre. So just mm -hmm. reworking that entire site now that will be launched in the next month Getting workshops out there to um, other genres is really important to me. And then maintaining the education level on SBE. I've developed some pretty cool software coming out in the later in the year um, that's going to change the way we sell. And, oh, there's... It's just constant. <laughs> it's like a vortex of creativity here. Well, I, I reckon this this obviously just lends itself to another interview sure. later in the year. Then it Dave, does. After, yeah. the, after the portrait masses in September, <laughs> and then and also we have a rule. So is second time round on the podcast, it's face to face. Oh, fantastic! So we so have to find an excuse wine. to meet. Yeah, we need to. Uh, <laughs> we're keeping in touch with with, with Jen and find out where where you're going to be. All right. Well, I guess, uh, listen, we don't want to take up too much of your time here, Sue. I mean, I know you're busy. You're clearly busy from what, the way you've been talking about things going on there. So I would just like to say that it'd be great if we could get you on, even if it is face-to-face -face, later in the year on the podcast, because there's clearly lots happening this year yes. that we'd like to talk to no you about. No problem again, at so. all. But wow, you are definite super ice focus powerhouse from now <laughs> on. Yeah, I think if anyone says says about you know starting in photography, I'm just going to go look. Just go to episode sixty two, listen to Sue. Yeah, and then... <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. I want those people. And then, and then go and follow her. Go and sign up. And but we will put all the uh, links and everything to you on uh, on the website for the show notes. And within you know the podcast will be out on Friday as well. So. Um, it's all fresh around because you just you only just announced the conference yes. didn't you last week we actually went on sale um, today uh, and we're wow. we're uh, over 400 tickets sold right now and wow. we put it on That's sale three hours ago so it's selling really really fast and Fantastic. your vip's already sold out yeah. isn't it and that was a hard part yeah. because it was like you know it was we could only do 50 vip's they're all vip's yeah. really <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's just extra vip <laughs> vip plus yes yes yeah all right brilliant oh no but thank you sir it's been a real pleasure getting we, we were saying quite that beforehand most of our guests we've known right through the industry and we have got obviously so glenn's got a very strong friendship with zach um zach was like quite a big instigator of when Glyn started and obviously you spent time with Zach and I was watching your Instagram live in the kitchen cooking dinner and everything I interviewed him and, for two and we hours. love Zach so 
we kind of move in the same circles but it's like i said to glenn it's just weird that we've never yeah like properly met you and i'm so glad we've had the opportunity today and we've got to thank jen for helping set it up because we've obviously both worked with jen before jen coffin you know she's um for those that don't know jen is um, my producer she's been my producer for this year and i'm never letting go of that girl i'm gonna you left a prior <laughs> from my cold dead hands she is everything and I love her so much. So, uh, yeah. And such a good photographer yeah, as well. Exactly. That's the thing in a previous job is people never really knew that side of her and she's just such a good photographer. And and obviously when she joined you and, and we keep in touch, so you could just hear it coming through her text messages and, yeah, le- and emails, awesome. how much she's enjoying what she's doing. Very so, cool. So thanks for, ta- thanks for taking her on because at the last place, apparently she was stealing stationery. <laughs> And she was cu- coming in late and going early and <laughs> really <in> disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you go back to your office and the stapler's missing, go and check Jen's handbag. Okay, so all the American <laughs> listeners are going to be like, what is this sarcasm? And like, yeah. are they telling the truth? <laughs> like, is that, what? what? <laughs> yeah, why has she not been arrested or sacked? You should sack her. Yeah. Oh, English humour, English humour. <laughs> yeah. It's been so long. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's just get a quick uh, quick screen grab here. So we're all looking at the camera. There goes just a quick screen grab. Hey, how cheesy was that? There we go. Hey. Cool. <laughs> cheesy. All right, brilliant. Sue, thank you so much for your time. And I very much look forward to seeing you again. Yes. But, uh, okay. Yeah. If I can't yes. get awesome. you to thank Port you. Rafters, then I will definitely, definitely see you face to face somewhere else. You're a star. Cool. Thank, thank you. you so much, Sue. Thanks, guys. Cheerio. Nice Cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye.